Good morning, church. If you've got your copy of God's Word, I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 23 uh, in keeping with that song that we just sang. Uh, we are titling this series that we started last week, Shall Not Want. I, I received emails and talked with several of you about how the Lord was stirring your heart in light of our study last week. And I got to say, I, it, same, same for me. Uh, this is such an encouraging chapter in the scriptures. I know we're familiar with it. And sometimes when we come across those familiar texts, we just kind of check out like, Oh, heard that one before. But sometimes we don't do a good job of living in light of the truths of those familiar scriptures. And so that's why we're studying this together. Last week we were reminded of verse 1 where it says, The Lord is our shepherd. The, the name Lord there we learned was the covenant name for God, Yahweh or Jehovah. And this was a name that was reserved for the special connection and relationship between God and his covenant people Israel in Old Testament days. But then you fast forward to the days of Christ, the days of the New Testament, the church age. And you see that now a gospel has been made available to all, to the Jews and to the Gentiles, through the new covenant that Christ established for us we can now be called children of God. Amen? And now Yahweh can be our shepherd. And we celebrated that last week. The other day I was walking through the grocery store. I had my kids in tow, and they're following me around the grocery store, and they weren't quiet as usual. And as we're wandering through Walmart, uh, I'm, I've got the shopping list that Allison's given me, and I can never find all the stuff uh, that Allison sends me, but I don't know if any of the other men or husbands can relate. But uh, So I'm wandering around trying to find all these ingredients and things, and I'm just assuming all my kids are right behind me because they were up until one point. And so I rounded the corner of this one aisle, and I didn't notice that my six-year-old Abigail had gotten a little distracted and had found something on the shelf that interested her. And maybe five to six seconds later, she's shouting, Daddy! Just so loud. And everyone's turning around looking. I'm like, oh no, that one's mine. And I went and found her. Sometimes in life, we, we can feel a little bit like that. Uh, we can feel a little overwhelmed. We can feel pretty anxious, maybe pretty stressed about what's going on in our lives. And if that's where you are today... I've literally had three conversations just this morning, some of them quick, quick conversations of people saying, I got a lot going on. There's a lot happening right now. And if that's you, if you've got a lot of stress today, I believe this word is for you this morning. Because the Lord offers stress relief <laughs> through the gospel of Jesus and through his presence being with us. I learned recently that two-thirds of all doctor's visits can be traced back to stress-related problems. Ulcers, stomach and digestion issues, blood pressure, heart disease, anxiety, depression, and you could keep rattling off those things. Here's the thing. If you're stressed, and even if you're not, I'd, I'd encourage you to tuck away the truths from this study, from this text this morning Because I believe the Lord wants us as his people, 
under the new covenant in Christ to experience refreshment for our souls. And I believe we can absolutely have access to that every day. Amen. We're now going to go to the word of God together. If you're new to downtown church, we like to stand for the reading of God's word. So if you would, let's stand for the initial reading of God's word. So we're in Psalm 23, and we're taking one verse at a time each week, but I'm going to read the whole chapter for the sake of context. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. That is just... One of those uh, scriptures that when you read it, your blood pressure just kind of drops, right? It's just, it's such a soothing picture, green pastures and still waters, and, and it is a nice picture. And this is something that we can experience. It's metaphorical. It's, it's talking about something that our souls can experience, but in order for us to experience what this psalm is describing, we need to understand a few things in order to fully grasp these truths. One encouragement for this morning is this. The good shepherd instructs you to rest. The good shepherd instructs you to rest. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. All right, what we see here is this idea that God commands rest. All right, God commands rest. If you're uh, underlining in your physical Bible, I would underline the word makes. The Lord makes me, makes us lie down in green pastures. So this isn't a suggestion. God doesn't look at his people and say, hey, here's something you might want to check out. No, he commands us to rest. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God gave a series of commands that we call the Ten Commandments. They're not called the Ten Suggestions, right? They're called the Ten Commandments. And in those Ten Commandments, God rattles off some very important things that weren't just for Israel, they're for us as well. Things that we need to hold near and dear to our hearts. He mentions don't kill. That's a good one, right? Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. One that he seems to focus on that might sound a little odd for God to place so much emphasis on is this idea in verses 8 through 10 of Exodus 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. And this is interesting because the one command that God seems to emphasize the most is this command. This idea of resting and guarding the Sabbath day of rest in the Lord. In the Old Testament, they took this very seriously, and the Pharisees had a field day with, uh, with this law and started adding to it. But in the Old Testament, you saw God's people, the people of Israel, guarding Saturday, because this was the Sabbath day in those Old Testament, Old Covenant days. And so they wouldn't work on that seventh day. They rested on that day. Then in the New Testament, you see a shift that takes place. So Jesus rose from the grave on a Sunday. And so this was the first day of the week. And Jesus' disciples, the early church, under this new covenant, they began meeting on this first day of the week in honor of the Lord. Which, by the way, is why we call it the Lord's Day. Because Christ the Lord rose from the dead on that day. And we honor Christ as we gather on that first day of the week. And as God is commanding his people to honor this rest, we see this idea. God modeled rest. God modeled rest. He goes on in that same text, Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I was thinking about this idea. Did God need to rest? You know, after six days of creating everything, was God just worn out? I don't believe so at all. The scriptures don't indicate that at all because God is God, right? God is all-powerful. He is sovereign. He is literally all-powerful. We just sang the song earlier, there's nothing that our God can't do. Maybe you grew up singing that kid song, our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing our God cannot do. And you had to flex the muscles while you sang it, right? There's nothing our God cannot do. And yet God rested on that seventh day. And he did that for a reason. He worked for six days, creating the heavens, creating the earth, and everything that is in them. But then on that seventh day, God rested, the Bible says. If you study that word rested, it literally means ceased. God stopped what he was doing. He stopped working. He stopped his duties. He rested. And if you follow the line of thinking here, God rested. He creates us in his image, meaning that there's some similarities between us and God. God is way on another, another level, but he makes us in his image. And he instills himself in us to some extent. And then he commands us to rest. And why would God do this? Anyone with a toddler or a young child can answer this one for you. If you've got a young kid... And 3, 4 o'clock rolls around and they haven't had their nap yet. How's your afternoon going to look? Let me tell you, misery. It's just going to be a rough, rough afternoon. 
because your child needs rest. And hear this, so do you. And I'm not just talking about a physical, I need a nap, rest. The Bible explains a deeper form of rest for all of us. Check this out in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse uh, 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is taken from a portion of scripture called the Shema. The, in ancient Jewish culture, they would literally recite these words and others every morning, reminding themselves of this great command. The most important thing for them to do was to love God with this, this, and this. And what were those things? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then Jesus in the New Testament reiterates, saying this is the most important thing that you can do. So here's what seems to be happening. God could have said, love me, period. He could have just said that. He could have said, love me a lot, exclamation mark. But instead, he goes on to say, hey, love me with all of your heart. Love me with all of your soul. Love me with all of your might. And what seems to be happening is God seems to be carving up the human experience for us. And he wants us to love him with these different parts of our lives. I think we could plainly put this that we need to love God with all of our mind, what we think about. We need to love God with our bodies and what we do physically. We need to love God with all of our spirit, our soul, who we are in a spiritual sense. And so we need to be loving God with every aspect of who we are. Now let's connect this to the Sabbath rest idea. We get to the book of Exodus and God commands the people of Israel Love me, and by the way, guard this Sabbath day. This was more than a break from their schedule. Something deeper was going on. God wanted his people to experience a rest, not just physically, but with all of themselves, all of these different parts. So here's what this might look like for us. Maybe God wants you specifically on one day per week, to give your mind a break. Let me tell you what a temptation is for me. My off day is Friday. So on Fridays, here's my temptation. Pull up the emails. What did I miss out on? Who do I need to respond to? That time that I need to be resting, that time that I need to be giving my family the attention they deserve. I need to detach and allow my mind to rest. We need to give our bodies time to rest. We need to give our souls time to rest. In fact, look at verse 10 of Exodus 20. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So what the Lord is conveying here is that, hey, I'm not just giving you an off day every week. I want you to take this day and guard it. Keep it safe. This is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And church, this is an opportunity for us every week to start out our week centering our lives on the Lord Jesus. 
And so it's so important that we not neglect this rest for our mind, for our body, and for our souls, our spirit. Another thought here, we have to choose to rest. So we've got a choice. We can either obey this command to rest or we can disobey this command to rest. I want to show you another uh, text from the Psalms. This is Psalm 127. And I believe this Psalm reveals kind of both paths and where they lead. Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. All right, so the psalmist here is painting this picture of someone building a house. And really, this is a picture of us building our lives. And the psalmist indicates something here. He says, hey, if you try to build this house, if you try to build your life void of the presence of God, void of the guidance and direction of the Lord, you build it in vain. It's literally pointless. Look at verse 2 again. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Church, if, if we abandon God's command to rest in him. If we abandon God's direction and commands in our lives, it it will be meaningless. Truly will be. And, And to add insult to injury, look what it says in the last part of that verse. Uh, Show that verse again. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Does that not sound like the world that we live in today, just filled with people eating the bread of anxious toil. They're toiling, they're working, they're striving, and yet they are stressed. They're anxious. They are ridden with this overwhelming feeling that they can't get rid of. So much anxiety. Church, it's very important that we guard our lives, we guard our minds, we guard our bodies, we guard our souls, because if we don't, if we don't allow our mind, body, and spirit to rest, here's what's going to happen. Your life will become the playground for the devil, and he will be able to do whatever he wants, because you're so focused on this world, you're so focused on how you're feeling, you're so focused on what you want But if we will allow ourselves to rest, we can experience blessings of God. Which brings us to our second and final section, which we're going to call the Good Shepherd invites you to rest. So we've talked about how the Good Shepherd instructs you to rest. Now the Good Shepherd invites you to rest. Look at verse uh, 1 and 2 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. All right, so this psalmist was written, uh, this psalm was written by King David. And David was an artsy guy, but he wasn't just being poetic for the sake of being poetic. 
he's painting a serene scene. The scene that our souls can experience, a peaceful, restful scene. Now, here's what God doesn't do. God's not just some spiritual guide where he says, hey, follow me. Oh, here's a cool scenic spot. It looks very peaceful. I'm going to drop you off here. I'll be back when you come to heaven, right? That's not what happens at all. The Lord is not simply a guide. Check this out. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Uh, The point of this text is he. He leads me. He guides me. He is with me. And as the song goes on to say, I will fear no evil for he is with me. All of this to say, church, we can experience this rest because our shepherd is with us. Amen. And as Jesus says in the New Testament, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you might be thinking, I've tried. I've tried to experience this rest. I don't feel rested in my life. I want to offer you an encouragement. And it's really a promise in the scriptures. It's an invitation from Jesus. Look at Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you hear the promise? Jesus says, hey, come to me, and I what? I will give you rest. He doesn't say I might, or I can, or possibly you might get some rest. He says, I will. I will give you rest. And when we do this, when we take up this invitation and we start actively following Jesus, we're going to notice some things change in our lives. Here's one of the things we're going to see change. Time with Jesus brings life into focus. Recently at our midweek study, um, by the way, on Wednesdays, we, we, we talk. It's not just preaching. It's a time of Bible discussion. And we were talking about the effect that sin has on us and how we see this world. It's a lot like this. If you go to the fair and you see the funny-looking mirrors, right, the wavy mirrors, the, the rounded mirrors, and you go stand in front of them and you're stretched out, or you go stand in front of them and you're really short, and it, it skews what you are and what you look like. That's actually what sin does. When we are living in sin, when we are void of the voice of our shepherd, we get a distorted perspective, and we can no longer see clearly. But if we come to Jesus, our vision gets much clearer. I'm reminded of the story of Mary and Martha, these two sisters. Jesus comes into their town. And Martha says, Jesus, would you like to come to our house for a meal? Jesus accepts the invitation. He enters the house, and these two sisters have two polar opposite reactions to the presence of Jesus. Martha gets to work. She's cooking. She's cleaning. She's getting it all ready. She's frazzled. And here's what the Bible says about Martha. Luke 10, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. 
And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I would imagine in a room this size, there are at least a few people here who are distracted with much serving. You are anxious and you are troubled about many things. And hear me, I'm not coming down on you. You're probably doing some good things. You're probably working 40, 60, maybe 70 hours a week or more to put food on the table for your family. You're running around changing diapers, you're feeding kids, you're trying to pick up the house, you're trying to get the kids to ball practice and back, you're trying to help your kids with homework, you're just trying to do all the projects at work, whatever is going on in your life. We've got to be careful because we can do good things in not so good ways. It's absolutely possible and it happens all the time. If we ignore our shepherd, you remember that house? If you ignore the shepherd, what you're building doesn't matter. Just think about that. If you spend your years in this life, in this world, building this life, void of the voice of your shepherd, void of the direction of God, void of the presence and power of God, what you're building means nothing, means absolutely nothing. And if we avoid the voice of our shepherd, life will quickly get out of focus. One last thought here. Time with Jesus brings spiritual growth. So if we accept this invitation from Jesus to come to him, we're going to notice some growth takes place in our hearts and in our lives. Last week, I shared with you about a book written by an author, a Christian author, named Philip Keller. And Philip wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. So Philip was a shepherd himself. And in his book, he talks about the importance of green pastures. And so every morning, he would get up early, and he'd take his flock, and he'd lead them to the green pastures. He'd let them eat as much as they wanted. It was Golden Corral. Eat as much as you want, all right? He lets them eat as much as they want, and then he takes them over to a shaded spot in, in this field or nearby, and he makes them lie down. Does that sound familiar? He makes us lie down in green pastures. Here's why he did that. It wasn't just so their physical bodies could rest. It was that, but it was more. So sheep have four stomachs, and so they take in all these plants, but their bodies can't process all the nutrients from that plant just from eating there and walking around. If they're constantly moving, they miss out on the nutrition value, because here's what they've got to do. They've got to go lay down and rest, and then, this might sound gross, they regurgitate it, and they chew it some more, and then they swallow it. And then they regurgitate it, and they chew it some more, and they swallow it. And this happens for hours every day. And every time, they're breaking down the plants more and more and more, giving them the nutrients that they need. Church, this is important. Guess what? You're a sheep, right? 
We need this process in our own lives. Don't go throwing up your food, okay? That's not what this is about, but let me show you something else. Look at Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Listen to this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. You may not be a sheep, but understand this. God wants you to chew on something every day. Every day. He wants you to chew on his word day and night. It's not enough for you to come in here on a Sunday and get a grazing and go out and live your life. That's not enough. It's not even enough to just read a quick devotional in the morning. It's not even enough to do a Bible study in the morning and never think about it again the rest of the day. The point is, church, to meditate on this day and night. Let it come back up. Think about it. Process it. Let it affect you. Let it change you. And notice what happens when you do. Psalm 1, verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In short, church, if, if we'll do this, If we will allow the shepherd to make us lie down in green pastures and we process the word of God, it will change us. You'll grow. And if you keep doing this over time, you're going to notice more growth and more growth and more growth. And years go by and you're going to look back and think, wow, the Lord has brought me a long way. And that's exactly what he does. One last thought. Time with Jesus brings refreshment. So we accept this invitation from Jesus. We come to the Lord. We spend time with the Lord consistently. And here's what we're going to see happens. Look at Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. All right, so sheep are not very bright. And that's interesting considering we are the sheep of his pasture, right? It says a little bit about us. Here's what sheep do. Sheep will drink from any source of liquid they see. Okay? So they can be walking along and they can see the mud puddle. And you know what they do? They're like, ooh, water. Drink, drink, drink. Dirty water. They can see the stagnant pool, stagnant strip of water over here filled with bacteria. No flowing water. And they're like, ooh, water, drink, drink, drink. They can be following along in a herd, walking through mud puddles, and the the sheep are urinating and defecating in the puddles, and they will still drink from that water. Here's why this is important. A good shepherd knows that. A good shepherd knows that sheep are not bright, and sheep will drink from any source of water. And so a good shepherd will lead their sheep to still waters. That's what the shepherd does, that they might be refreshed, that they might get what they need. In the New Testament, there's several texts that kind of reveal this a bit more. Here's one of those. Acts 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. 
that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, at first, it sounds like in verse 19 that we're talking about you just get refreshed on the day you're saved. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. True. But look what it says in verse 20, that times, plural, of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Here's what that means, church. God does not just want us to be refreshed on the day that we get saved. It's true. God does not just want us to be refreshed when we go to church camp or weekend 251. God does not just want us to be refreshed on Easter Sunday. We need a good Resurrection Sunday message. So I'm going to get that refreshment for the year today. No. He wants you to experience times, many times of refreshing. Just like a sheep needs water all the time. He wants us to be refreshed in our souls. And the good shepherd does just that. He leads us to still waters. He gives us that thirst-quenching living water that only he can give. A few years back, uh, my family and I, we were going through kind of a difficult time with some things going on. And so we decided to go on a trip. And we did this camping trip to North Carolina. And so we picked a a camp spot on a stream. And y'all, that stream did me a lot of good. Uh, we did some fun stuff around the town and stuff, but I would spend a lot of time just sitting in a camp chair right next to that stream, just staring at that stream, just resting by that stream. And as I was sitting there, it just reminded me, this is what God wants me to do in my everyday life, to just come and be in his presence, to experience the still waters, to be refreshed by his presence. Church, the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. I don't know if you're stressed. I don't know if you're anxious. I don't know if you're overwhelmed. But your shepherd does. And he knows exactly what you need. I hope and pray that we will heed his command and his invitation to come to him today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes at this time. Our band's going to come on up. This is the portion of the service that we call a time of response. Something that I feel the Lord has been impressing on me is when we respond to God's word We need to make commitments. We need to hear what God's word has said and we need to commit to doing what it says. Maybe for you, you have not given given your mind and your body and your spirit weekly rest. Maybe you need to make a commitment to the Lord. I will guard this in my life. Maybe you haven't been spending time with Jesus every day. Maybe you need to make a commitment that you will spend time listening to the voice of your shepherd. Or maybe today you realize you're not even a part of the flock. You're not ready for eternity. 
Lord, you see the hearts of everyone here. You know exactly their spiritual state. You know if they are overwhelmed, if they are anxious, if they are stressed. Lord, may we all experience the healing and refreshment that only you can bring. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Christ to this world to lay down his life for us. That we might be called the children of God. Have your way with us. We are the sheep of your pasture. We ask all this in Christ's name.